0: Radio personality Paul Harvey became famous for ending his newscast with a particular expression. The expression was, and now you know the rest of the story. Paul Harvey died last year at the ripe old age of 90, which is too bad because if he were still around... He might have been able to do some research on the two brothers in today's gospel parable and give us some insights as to what happened to them after these events that we heard about a few moments ago. What was the rest of the story? It all ends rather abruptly, does it not? What was the rest of the story, first of all, For the prodigal son. We know that he went back to his dad. We know that his dad forgave him for his many sins. But did he stay with his father? That's a key question. Did he live a happy, grateful life from this moment onward? Did he really appreciate his father's forgiveness? and pass that lesson on to his own children, and later on to his grandchildren? Or did he give in to temptation a second time, and walk away, never to return? Or did he walk away and come back again? Did he do that a number of times? Inquiring minds like mine want to know. And just as importantly, what was the rest of the story for the other son, the older one, the faithful one? He was angry, as it says in that text. He was angry at the situation. He was definitely angry at his brother. But he was even angry at his dad. Did he stay angry? Did that unresolved anger eventually lead him to abandon his family? Or did he finally let go of it? and find peace? And did he ever get tempted to do what his brother had done? And did he ever give in to that temptation? And if he did give in, did he ever repent? Or did he despair? Now you might say, Father Ray, hold on a minute. This is only a parable. This is just a story that Jesus Christ made up during his earthly ministry to illustrate the mercy and forgiveness of his Heavenly Father. As far as we can tell, it didn't really happen historically. Well, that's true. However, I contend that these are still valid questions to ponder because they apply to all of us and to all human beings who do experience the love and the forgiveness of the Heavenly Father in real life. See, the ways that these two fictional sons might have reacted had they been real people show us the ways that we might respond in real life in similar circumstances. So what was the rest of the story for these two brothers. Well, if you asked me which of these two boys was more likely to fall into serious sin later on in life, if you were to ask me which of these two boys was more likely to get off the right track somewhere down the road, I would say that without question, without question, it was the older son the good one, the one who had been with his father from the beginning. Now that might surprise some of you, although I don't think it should. See, after his return home, the prodigal son was deeply aware of his father's love and mercy because he experienced it. He was deeply aware of the love, the mercy, the tenderness, the compassion his father had for him personally. After everything he had done, his father was willing to take him back. No questions asked. And then he treated his repentant son like he had never left. The father forgave, but he didn't only forgive. In a very real sense, he also forgot his son's many sins. They never came between him and his son again. I'm sure that made a big impression on the boy. It had to. Something very similar happened just yesterday here in our church. We had first penance here for our second graders. And we encouraged parents as well to go to confession. And many of them did. And some of them hadn't been to confession in many years. A few of them left the confessional in tears, not tears of sadness, tears of joy, tears of gratitude. The bottom line is this. After he returned and was welcomed home, That prodigal son had a relationship with his father that was rooted in love. Real love, what the Bible calls agape love. Whereas that older son, he had a relationship with his father that, from all external indications at least, was pretty superficial and very cold. It was not a loving father-son relationship at all. Rather, it was a lot like the kind of relationship that a client has with a businessman or a servant has with a master. Notice how this boy speaks to his father after he finds out that his younger brother has come home and that his dad has thrown a big party for him. He says, look, all these years I served you And not once did I disobey your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. In other words, I paid my dues, Daddy O. I did what you asked me to do. I fulfilled my end of our father son deal. Why haven't you given me what I deserve, what I've earned? Why haven't you given me my just reward for all my years of faithful service? Now, I don't know what that sounds like to you, but to me, that sounds like something that a disgruntled employee would say to his boss. It doesn't sound like something that a loving son would say to his dear old dad. When we see a relationship with somebody, primarily in legal terms, which apparently is the way this older boy saw his relationship with his dad, in legal terms, when we do that, we don't feel very sorry when we hurt the other person. This was the problem in that boy's relationship with his dad. Nor do we feel a lot of loyalty to the other person. This explains why you and your local car salesman will haggle about the price of a car you'd like to buy on his lot. He's trying to get you to pay the largest amount possible, you're trying to get him to charge you the lowest amount possible, and in the process, you are not concerned, really concerned about hurting his feelings. And he's not particularly concerned about hurting yours. The relationship is strictly business. Unfortunately, my brothers and sisters, I think that's also how many people interact with God. It's fine with the car salesman. It's not fine with the Lord. But it becomes a business-like connection. Okay, God, here's the deal. I'll give you an hour every single weekend. I'll even go further. I'll give you an hour on holy days, too. All the holy days throughout the year. No problem. I'll say some prayers every day. I'll observe all the rules your church gives me. Perfectly. And in exchange, I want X, Y, Z, fill in the blank there. See, my brothers and sisters, that's precisely how the older boy in this parable would relate to God if he were around today, if he were a modern-day Catholic. Every once in a while, somebody will say to me, Father Ray, I don't get it. I used to see so-and-so in church every Sunday, every Holy Day. They used to sit right near me. Now I see them, I talk to them, and they don't want anything to do with church. They don't even want to talk about God. What happened? Well, in many cases, what happened is something went wrong in their business deal with the Lord. God did not fulfill his part of the deal to the person's satisfaction, so the person stopped fulfilling his part of the deal. My brothers and sisters, almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, of everything, the Almighty One, that God desires to have a loving relationship with you and with me and with every single human person. He is not our employer. He's our Father. He's our Father. And such a relationship with God is always possible. See, that's the good news. That's really the message of this parable. If right now we are like the prodigal son before his conversion, all we need to do to have this loving relationship with the Lord is to go back to our father by making a sincere, thorough, sacramental confession. And if we're like that older son who seemed to think of his father as his boss, all we need to do is change the way we think, to change the way we look at reality and invite the Lord into our heart. Doing those things will make it much more likely that the rest of our stories will include a happy ending. The happy ending we all long for. The happy ending that we call heaven.